If you're joining us this morning, we are actually in part seven of a nine-part message series titled, I Want to Believe, But... And we're talking about some of the hurdles, challenges people have in their faith. A lot of people want to believe in God, but there are things that have happened in their life. There are hurdles, there are challenges that they can't seem to get over in that process of accepting Jesus in their life. One argument, thing that we've been saying throughout the series is that people are not necessarily rejecting the true God. Instead, they are rejecting a distorted view of who God is. In fact, many of us would reject that same God that they think he is. And so what we're trying to do in this series is clear the field of eliminating this false view of who God is, recognizing what is actually true, and trying to give ourselves something to talk about when we're talking to our neighbors and friends about God. As a summary, in week one, we talked about, and we asked the question, is it even reasonable to believe in a God, that a God exists? Does faith in God align with what we know about logic? Week two, we discussed suffering. If God is so good, then how could he allow evil to exist in a world that he owns? Week three, we discussed this book and the reliability of the Bible, the contradictions, the miracles, the historical validity, all of it. And we came to the conclusion the Bible does hold up, but there are some discussions we need to have about it. Week four, we broke down one of the top three reasons people want nothing to do with Christians, saying that they are all hypocrites. They're not wrong, but there's more to that conversation. Week five, David Russell did a remarkable job reminding us that Jesus really is the only way. We also, or he gave us insight to how the human brain acquires new information. It's critical for you to know that as you have these conversations with people and introducing new ideas to them. And finally, last week, Tracy tackled the difficult subject of identity, specifically transgenderism. Many people are not willing to give up their power to self-identify. That's not just a problem in the world, though. It's a problem that exists in this very room with the majority of us. And if you want to listen to any of those lessons, if you missed any of them, if you want to share any of them, you can find them all on our website, verobeach.church. But today, I want to talk about what I'm calling Goosebump God. I want to believe, but... I just don't seem to feel God like other people feel God. How do you believe in a God that you cannot see with your own eyes, that you cannot audibly hear with your ears, that at many times in your life, you don't even feel his presence? In fact, some of our young adults were talking about this in one of our gatherings. We meet every Tuesday in Darren and I's home. We were talking about this a couple weeks ago. And with real concern, almost tears in her eyes, one of our young people essentially said this statement. She said, I want to give everything to God. I just don't seem to feel him like other people feel him. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you've had a similar experience. And if you haven't, I can guarantee there's somebody close to you that has. A friend, a neighbor, a grandchild, 
maybe even the person sitting next to you, maybe even your own spouse. They know exactly what I'm talking about. They read the Bible. You read the Bible, and you just don't seem to get it like other people get it. You don't know how to relate it to your life and directly apply it. You try to sing the songs that we sing, and everybody around you seems to be getting into it. Their eyes are closed. Their hands are halfway raised because we don't go all the way here for whatever reason. We go halfway, so your hands are halfway raised. But you feel numb. You don't feel it. You pray, if you pray. You try to pray, and it feels like you're talking, but nobody seems to be on the other end of the line. Yeah. So let's talk about this. And let's just call it like it is. We all know that annoying person in our life that seems to feel God everywhere. You know what I'm talking about? It's that person that you talk to them, they're like, oh yeah, I was talking to God today and he just told me this thing. Or I was driving in my car and uh, this song, my favorite song came on the radio and I could just sense God in the music. He was just speaking to me. And then I pulled into the Target parking lot and I prayed, God, deliver me a parking spot here in a car. You won't believe it. A car pulled out of the front row and I pulled right in. My wife got a raise. My son got the scholarship. My dog got housebroken. God is good all the time. And you're thinking, I listen to songs on the radio, and I hated all of them. I, I tried, I pulled into Target parking lot. I couldn't find a spot. I had to park in Panera and walk a half a mile in the rain to get into Target, and my dog did his business on my newly installed shag carpet. I mean, I don't, I don't see God in my life, and I'm making a joke. I'm jesting about a very serious problem. There are people in this world, people in our community, very likely people in this very room who have this on repeat, I don't feel God. I don't feel God. I don't feel God. I'm, I'm interested. Um, I like to do these little social experiments with you all. We're going to do a little hand raising here, so start stretching out. Well, I have a question. By a show of hands, how many of you would say at some point in your life, you have felt God's presence before. Just raise your hand. It could have been today in worship. It could have been another time. Okay, awesome, interesting. Thank you so much. Now, let me ask you a follow-up question, and I don't need you to raise your hand. I don't need you to respond back. That's not how this works. Just think about it. If you raised your hand, how do you know you felt God? Just think about it. How do you know that was God? Maybe you got like goosebumps, the tingly wingly inglies all over, right? You just felt something different. Maybe for some of you, you just like broke out in tears, right? You, you felt, maybe it was a worship song, you felt your heart doing flips inside your chest, like you felt something different. Maybe, maybe others of you, you just felt this level of peace and calm. You can't explain it. Life was chaotic around you, but you just felt at ease. How do you know? Maybe you have another reason, but how do you know it was God? Because I want to push you a little bit here. Just going to challenge you a little bit. I'm not going to say that God can't give you goosebumps, that he can't make your body tingle a little bit, but so can an epic line in a movie that you're watching do the same thing. Like when they reveal the character, and you're like, ooh, 
Oh, that one got me, right? Or, or if you're on a first date and she smells really good and your hands touch for the first time and you just get goosebumps all over, how do you know it was God or how do you know if that moment that you had was just another moment? Or how about, I'm not going to deny that God can't make you cry, but so can a good YouTube video. Sometimes I'm watching like Mr. Beast and like I just start tearing up. I'm like, why am I crying right now? And half of you are like, Mr. Who? It's like, well, who are you talking about? And so for you, some of you have said a, an intense goodbye. You've sent your kid off to college. And mamas, you probably had a good cry. Daddies, come on, be honest. You probably also had a good cry. So crying, how do you know it was God? How do you determine what's God and what's just a moment? I'm not going to deny that God's presence can't bring you calm and peace, but so can soft lighting and soothing music and a massage. Right, you give me a good massage, all my stress will melt away. <laughs> Every time. And I'm being a little sarcastic. Maybe I'm not being fair. But the question still remains. How do you know it was God's presence that you were feeling? How do you know that was God? And if you're one of the people in here, and I know there are, that did not raise your hand, that have not, you can't say you have felt God's presence, Whose fault is that? Whose fault? Is that God's fault that you didn't feel his presence? Like God's up in heaven and thinking, you know, you didn't do very good. You're, you're bad this week, so I'm not going to let you feel my presence this Sunday. I'm just going to block myself off from you. Is that what God is doing? Is that how he manipulates the relationship? Is it your fault that you don't feel God's presence? Like your spiritual antenna isn't up. Your hands weren't open to receive it. Or how about this one? I know you've heard it. You didn't have enough faith. Is that why you don't feel God's presence? Or is it Tracy's fault for not singing the right songs? Is it my fault for not saying the right thing and saying it the best way? Whose fault is it? Is it our fault? And for me, I like to blame all my stuff on Tracy. So if you want to just like direct it that way, to I'm totally in support of it. But whose fault is it? Whose fault? What I want to do today is I want to show you that the presence of God is so much bigger than your feelings. It's so much bigger than how you feel, and that is good news that God is bigger than us. And if you're writing things down today, if you're writing stuff down, I want you to write this down. If you don't always feel God's presence, you are not alone. You are not alone. You're not alone in this room, but you're, not, you're also not alone in the grand scheme of Christianity. What I want to do, uh, illuminating this point, is I'm going to tell you some stories. I'm going to read some scriptures, tell some Bible stories. I want to tell you about a Christian theologian that many of you know that described God's relationship sometimes like a door shutting in his face. Before we get there, let's read Psalm 88 together. You can almost feel this psalmist. I mean, words alone can tell you how this psalmist is feeling. He says, but I cry, for, I cry to you, God, for help. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why? Why? Why, Lord, do you reject me? Why do you hide your face from me? God, I need your help. I'm desperate for you. All I'm looking for is you, but it feels like there is a cement block over my head that is keeping me away. Something is in my way to have access to you. 
Have you ever felt that way? Looking at some of our, our characters of the Bible, David, King David, before he was king on the throne, he was king in the wilderness. God comes to him and appoints him king, but there is still a king in place, and Saul's going to have nothing to do with it. And so the king anointed by God is running for his life, eating cheese whiz with his friends in caves, writing psalms that say, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, do you think he wondered where God was in certain moments? I bet you he did. How about Paul, who has this miraculous moment with God, the, the resurrected Jesus, and he gets the opportunity to see him. And then for 17 years after, he's making tents, waiting for his opportunity. When is God, where is God, going to come into my story again? Or... Let's go to the one who walked most intimately with God, Jesus. Whenever he is on the cross dying for your life, he's giving his life for yours. He's giving everything he has. And in the midst of his dying, he cries out, My God, my God, where are you? Because I don't feel you here. Where are you? I know many of you are familiar with C.S. Lewis. If not, he is a spiritual giant for Christians. He wrote books like the Chronicles of Narnia, other great books like Mere Christianity, Screwtape Letters. He is the example of what modern day faith looks like. And Lewis wrote in one of the most painful moments of his life. He's crying out to God and here's what he says. I got a door slammed in my face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that, silence. You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. There are no lights in the windows. It might as well be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seems so at once. Why is God so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent a help in our time of trouble. If you do not always feel God's presence, you are not alone. So here's what I want to do for the remainder of our time this morning, is I want to offer you three possibilities of why you may not feel God's presence at every moment in your life. These are not, this is not a list of totality. This isn't all of the reasons. These are just three options. And even if this option isn't true for you today, I can almost guarantee at some point in your life, you will be faced with this. So let's look at number one. Maybe, maybe the reason you don't feel God in your life is you are over-sensationalizing it. What do I mean by that? You may be doing exactly what the disciples did, in John chapter 6, verse 30, they're trying to figure out who is this Jesus guy. He's more than a prophet. Is he God? Is he something else? Is he our Messiah, the Savior? Who are you, Jesus? And so in their way of figuring that out, they say, hey, Jesus, what sign will you give us so that we might see and believe you? What magic trick can you perform, essentially, so that we can see your power and your glory. 
Just you saying it is not quite enough for us just yet. We need to see something amazing. What can you provide? And then if you read one more verse, they have the audacity to then hearken back to their ancestors and say, well, you know, Jesus, our ancestors received manna in the wilderness. I mean, bread from heaven raining down. I mean, that, that'd be a good enough sign for us. Yeah, if you can do that, maybe we can make a deal here and we'll understand what we're getting ourselves into sensationalizing it. Here's the expectation of this type of faith in God. Here's what it creates. Have you ever had that desire, and maybe you've done it, where something's going on in your life, and you think, I just need to open up my Bible, and God will reveal to me what he needs to reveal to me. Maybe you uh, are in a, a rocky relationship with somebody, and you're just, you know, you're not sure if you want to keep going on it, and you're like, well, my pastor said if I just read my Bible that things will become clear, that God will guide me. And so you just one night, you just open it up and you're like, okay, God, tell me what I need to know in this situation. You just blindly put your finger down and says, oh, thou shalt break up with thy needy boyfriend. Thank you, God. Thank you for your clarity on my very specific situation. Well, God doesn't work that way. He's not always clear. He doesn't always give us such nice, clean answers. And if you're waiting for an angel to appear, if you're waiting for a booming voice from heaven, if you're waiting for a dream or a vision before you begin moving in your faith, then you might be sensationalizing it. And God doesn't always operate that way. If we always felt God's presence, we wouldn't always need faith. Some of that passed by you so quick. Let me say it again because you didn't catch it. If you always felt God's presence in your life, there wouldn't be a need for faith. You would completely and entirely be in a state where you are with God. But the reason we have faith and eternal hope is because God recognizes that in every single one of our lives, there will be moments of silence. Here is the reality. Sometimes you will not feel God. You will not feel him in your life. And that's good news for people like me because I'm not really a feelings type person, right? You can ask Darian. She's seen me cry just a couple of times. One was holding Arlo for the first time. And it's not that I don't have feelings or I don't feel a lot of things. I just very rarely express them to people outside of me. Lucky for me and people like me, my feelings are not the only evidence I have of God's presence with me. Because if you always felt God, there would be no need for, for faith. My life, my entire job, I went to school and studied God. I wake up in the morning and I have devotional time with God. I study God with my kids and my family. I come to work and I study God. After work, I'm meeting in small group. I go and pray myself to sleep. I am constantly with God in my life. And I can count on one hand how many God-felt moments that I've had. All the other days are just ordinary days. But I've learned to find God in the ordinary. Why don't I feel God's presence? Maybe, maybe you're over-sensationalizing it. You're waiting for the heavens to rip open before you do anything in your faith. Maybe, option number two, maybe your heart is hardened. 
Now, this one is not meant to scare you or discourage you, but we have to talk about it. Some of you, at one point in your life, you really felt the presence of God. You really felt like you were connected on all dots. I mean, you were lined up with God, but recently you feel like your heart is calloused over a little bit. In Matthew 13, Jesus is quoting Isaiah. He says this, You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. The very next verse, verse 15, he says, For this people's heart has been calloused, they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Hearts have been calloused. Hearts have been calloused. Sometimes in life, you wake up, and you don't know how you got to where you are. Have you ever had one of those driving moments when you're driving to a familiar, on a familiar route, and you're like listening to the radio, or you're thinking about a conversation you had at work? And then, like, all of a sudden, you, like, kind of come to, and you just, like, you're pulling into your driveway. Like, you don't even know how. You don't remember the journey. You just got to the destination, right? Oh, thank goodness muscle memory takes over in those moments. Sometimes life is that way. Sometimes, and some of you, your eyes have just gotten opened a little bit, and you're wondering, how did I get to this place in my life? How is my faith? at a place where I don't even remember the last time I opened up my Bible for me. I don't remember the last time I prayed. I don't know how my marriage got into shambles. I don't know why I feel so anxious all of a sudden. When I wasn't like this before, your eyes have been opened, and you don't know how you got there. Others of you, you've allowed your heart to harden. Now, wait a second, Peyton. That doesn't make any sense. Why would anybody allow their heart to be hardened, and that's because that's exactly how sin operates. Let me explain it this way. Whenever you sin, whenever you sin against God, you miss the mark, God doesn't love you any less because of your sin. God has already shown the greatest version of love to us on the cross. He gave everything to you. And nothing that you can do, big or small, can take away that love. It's already been given. So your sin doesn't make God love you less. Your sin also doesn't revoke your Christian card, if there was such a thing. Like, congratulations, you're a Christian, here's your laminated card, welcome to the team. That'll get you into all of the cool places. Front. It doesn't work that way, but sinning against God also doesn't revoke that. If that were the case, every single one of us would be having our cards revoked at some point. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for you. So what does sin do? Sin breaks the intimacy that you have with God. Now that is pretty intuitive whenever you think about it. If either a husband or a wife has an intimate relationship with somebody else, what happens? Now, are they immediately not married anymore. No, it may eventually lead to that place, but in that moment, they are not immediately unmarried because they broke a covenant. Is intimacy still there? Now that happens immediately. Trust has been broken that once existed. 
That sin breaks the fellowship that was once there. And the same thing is true in our relationship with God. Now, don't let this scare you, because you will mess up as a follower of Jesus today. You're just going to. I'm going to mess up as a husband today. That's just part of what it means to be human. But whenever we continue to live our lives in brokenness, whenever we are constantly living a life of not confessing our sin, of not asking God to cleanse us, of hiding our sins under the bed, of wearing a mask over our distorted version, of not fixing the things that are broken in our life, we are allowing our heart to go hard. We are closing the door. You don't wake up one day in another woman's bed, but you do wake up one day and decide to click on a pornography site. These steps happen incrementally until you wake up one day and you don't know how you got here. And maybe it's not adultery or pornography. Maybe for you, it's envy. You can't stand other people's success because it reminds you of what you have classified in your life as failure. And so you wish not only that you had that, but that they didn't have it, because it just reminds you of what you don't have and what you're not satisfied with. Maybe yours is lying, because your pride is so weak, your self-image is so fragile that you have to slide under the door so that you feel better in the office, or you feel better in the home, or you feel better in your own head. Gluttony, if it's because you're bored, if it's because you're anxious, if because you have nothing else to do, you go to food to fill the hole in your soul. Maybe it's laziness. You're just tired of putting in all the work and not getting thing else in return. Gossip. If I can make them feel bad, or if I can make them look bad, then I will feel better about my own brokenness. Maybe you don't feel God because you are covered in sin like you might be covered in winter clothes in winter season. My Floridians, this is called snow. It's white, it's very cold. And whenever you encounter it, you dress like Sandy Brackett dresses whenever we turn on the AC in here. <laughs> you just look something like that. But whenever you or in winter weather, you wear coats and gloves and hats and scarves and boots. You have it all ready to go. If you're properly dressed for winter, you don't feel the cold, at least for the most part. That's being properly dressed. You're blocking yourself from the outside force that wants to get in. And if the devil can properly dress you in the desires of your flesh, you will not feel God. You will not feel him. And some of you are looking at me thinking, I'm there, but what do I do? And I wish I could give you a step. Unfortunately or fortunately, it's only Jesus that can actually pull you out of that depth. But I can give you a first step today. Something that you can tune me out for the rest of the morning and just do this on repeat is praying and listening to the prayers of David when he says, create in me a clean heart, God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away, but restore unto me the joys of my salvation. And then hit repeat. I don't always feel God, 
Well, maybe you're over-sensationalizing it. Maybe you're waiting for a booming voice before you actually do something in your faith. Maybe your heart has gotten hard because you have grown comfortable with a sin in your life. And it's happened over time and you've woken up and you don't know how you've gotten here. And then the last point, maybe, maybe God wants to draw you closer. One of my favorite passages in Acts chapter 17, Paul is preaching to Athens. He's preaching in Athens and he says this, From one man God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed time in history, the boundaries of their land. And then he says this, God did this, I'm going to need your help here, church. God did this so that they would, let's try that again. God did this so that they would, that they would seek him, so that they would seek him and perhaps, perhaps they would reach out to him and find him. Though he is not far away from any one of us. This is just a suggestion. But maybe you don't feel God because God wants to bring you to a place where you desire him. Desperation, it draws out desire, does it not? Think about it. Whenever I don't eat, what do I become? Hungry. What do I desire? Food. I want that thing. Whenever I don't drink, what happens? I become? I desire? Water. (laughs) So you're like, juice, uh, tea, sweet tea, uh, water. And if I don't sense God's presence, I just might start hungering and thirsting for God. What does familiarity breed but content? Many of us, we've grown content in our relationship. We come to church because it's what we do, not because we're seeking something beyond us. Now, I want to be very clear. This has nothing to do with intimacy, I'll give you an example. When life gets busy with kids and schedule and work and family, sometimes Darian and I, we get busy. Sometimes we don't have the time together that we normally do. And guess what? I long for intimacy with her. I long for relational intimacy. And whenever I don't have it, I crave it more. God is a jealous God. He wants to be number one in your life. He wants to be the object of your desire. He wants you to pursue him. So maybe God is creating this longing in your heart so that we could learn from Jeremiah, if you seek me, God says, you will find me. If you seek me, you will find me. When you go through that season that you cannot feel God's presence, that is an invitation to press in, to seek first the kingdom of God. Just because God feels silent does not mean he is absent. Emptiness makes me ask. Desperation makes me seek. Silence makes me knock. And so if you need to put this on repeat, put it on repeat. Just because God feels silent does not mean he is absent. Just because you don't feel him doesn't mean he's not there. I've experienced, I've experienced God before. I would have been the ones to raise my hands. I've told you I can number it on my hands a number of times. One of the times it was a goosebump feeling. Another time it, it was tears. I'm not saying that those experiences don't exist. 
But most of the time, I have to find God in the ordinary, everyday, simple moments. Conversations with a friend that begins to move towards God. They begin asking questions. Are you kidding me? I get to, I get to share God with somebody? What a blessing. God, thank you for this opportunity that I can walk through. Here in a couple weeks, I'm going to get to hold my second son. I'm going to get to look down at this child that I have been praying for before I even knew what praying was and who God was. I was praying for this child, and I can, I'll be able to hold this child, look down at his face, and say, thank you, God, that you have let me be a part of your creation, that you have blessed us with beautiful things like other souls that we can nourish. Arlo, I had one story. I'm going to tell another story because it happened this morning. Arlo's gotten into this thing. My goal is to not tear up, so that's my goal. Arlo's gotten into this thing where he, uh, he, he loves that there's a baby. He doesn't fully know, but he loves there's a baby in Darian's belly, and they have, you know, tummy time, and he, like, hugs her and kisses. He's gotten into kissing the belly, like, associating baby and kisses. He loves doing that, and he's gotten into this thing where We'll buy like a little bitty onesie for the baby to come, and we'll say that's for baby, and he'll kiss the, kiss the clothes, and then like go and put it up against Darian's belly. This morning, this is what happened. Darian was digging through some, like a bucket of small clothes, and she made a comment to him. They're all over the ground. He's picking them up, doing stuff, and she's like, those are all for baby, and he again thought about it, picked up the clothes, and kissed it, and then put it back in the bucket picked up the other one, kissed it, put it back in the bucket, and he just went, every article of clothing, and I'm thinking, she sends me this message, I'm thinking, thank you, God, that you put so much joy and love in a little boy's heart. I can see you now. Every day, I get to do things that I love to do. I get to come into this building, I get to pray for people, I get to craft lessons and guide and walk alongside people, I get to help them when they're hurting. That's a blessing. God is in the ordinary. God turns the ordinary extraordinary. And I don't know what your ordinary moments are, but I know you have them. I know they exist in your life. I know God is present in your life. If you are a believer, strong with him, or if you're weak or just meeting him for the first time, I know he is present. He knows everything about you. He is in your life. And we have to stop waiting for something extraordinary to happen. We have to shed the sin that exists in our life. We have to recognize that desire is God actually pulling us in, not pushing us away. A goosebump God doesn't exist, but an extraordinary God does. And he's present in your life if you recognize him or not. Go and seek him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just, we come to you knowing that you are, you are already here. That you are not a God that we have to go and find some, in a, some distant land that you are present with us, and in our soul we feel like you're not there. 
that we get into these dark seasons when we don't know where you are, we feel separate from you, we feel like that we wonder if you ever existed in the first place. And God, so we, we're on, some of us are on a soul journey seeking you out, trusting your words that those who seek me, they will find me. God, I pray moments of, of isolation and desolation that those will not be seasons that we recluse and think that you're pushing us away. But God, instead, that those are moments that you're drawing us closer. You're desperately wanting you to be the desire of our heart. And so, God, I don't know where everybody is in their walk, in their relationship with you. I don't know if they're on the journey or if they feel like they've arrived with you. But God, I recognize that this is something that's true. There are so many people that don't feel your presence. They don't feel you like everybody else seems to feel you. They are not alone. And just because you feel absent doesn't mean you are not there. Just because you are silent doesn't mean you are not present. So Father, may we feel your presence this morning, not in goosebumps, not in tears, but in confidence and assurance that you are with us at all times. And we pray this, in the name of our Savior Jesus, who made that possible. In the name of Jesus Christ and the church said, Amen.